Hey everybody, welcome back to This Is My Story. Whether you're on the YouTube channel or you're listening via podcast, welcome to This Is My Story. I'm with my beautiful bride, Emily. Hello. Babe, I'm, I'm glad you're with me again on another episode. Thank you, I'm glad to be here. So last episode on the show, we uh, talked about Emily's story and uh, learned a lot of great things. So if you missed that, check it out. And uh, this podcast show, we're going to be talking about uh, two stories becoming one, how we met, how we got married. Uh, the Lord definitely did some crazy things, and uh, we're going to l- let you in on a little bit of that. But before we do, we want to give a shout out to our show sponsors, which is Christian Healthcare Ministries, who we love and we've been uh, members with that organization, which is a budget-friendly, Bible-based, uh, cost-sharing healthcare. And so if you're looking for something, single or married, uh, incredible ministry, the first and longest um, healthcare ministry. Did you know that? Nope. First and longest. So check it out. Link below in the description. And also um, our good friends at Natural Living, N-A-T-U-R-A-L-L, living.com. And uh, look for your nutritional needs there. Um, I got some protein powder coming. And uh, if you use uh, code MYSTORYMATTERS, you get 15% off. So enjoy. And uh, let's dive into today. So, babe, two two people, uh, 2003, became lovebirds. Mm-hmm. Me and you, and uh, pretty crazy story. Um, you know, not. I think we should also talk about our biggest struggle to on this episode, along with how we met and got married. Kind of do two for one. Okay, you prepared for that? Yep. All right. So this is going to be a little bit of both of us. So I am at about two thousand one. I'm twenty. Night, no, 18, 19 years old. I'm working at a Christian camp called Frontier Camp. Shout out to Frontier Camp in Texas. And I'm big time into wakeboarding. And if you guys are listening in, Emily was a uh, world champion, number one in the world um, at that time. And I'm cruising through the magazines and I come across this article of Emily and it's entitled Her Airness. This article was defining for you as well in your yeah. faith, right? Absolutely. I mean, I was the point where I shared my faith um, and kind of like, Took a stand for like my morals and. Isn't it weird that they ask you like, "Do you do drugs? Do you have sex before you got married?" I always kind of wondered that. Well, it was not a Christian magazine, but they're like, "Do you do drugs? Do you have sex outside of marriage?" Actually, it was funny because I remember the interview real quick, but the guy I I was doing it with, he was just like, "I mean, we just became friends," and I think he I I don't know know if he was a believer. I think he might have been. That's why he maybe added that in. So I think. It's just our conversation led him to write that. So I, I don't think it wasn't like an interview. Like, did you do? It was like literally a conversation. And I think I think the Lord just obviously had it ordained because you read it. And then that's right. Emily was in Colorado and they did this uh, photo shoot for the article is a seven page article, a long article. And I'm just uh, on a weekend between camps where kids would come and I was coaching wakeboarding. And um, I'd, I'd learned to flip at that point, which I was like, so I awesome. thought I was cool, you know, learning to flip. But so I, I'm following a lot of the guy wakeboarders who, who I looked up to and they were, you know, winning and, and, and really cool. And so I was into it. But then I see this title, Her Airness. And now me, I was not a wakeboard kid growing up. I was a basketball, baseball fan. Mm-hmm. So Michael Jordan was my hero. And that title caught my attention because, you know. It, he was the airness. And I might have been wearing a bikini. Might have. 
You, she was. <laughs> it was yellow. <laughs> he remembers the color. Well, it was it was just beautiful. It was just the mountains in the background. Uh-huh. Emily standing up there, really like kind of like a um, one of those superhero women type deal with the pose that they had. Yeah, to do, just like strong and. <laughs> Um, and so anyway, I, I read the article I'm by myself in the, in the office at some point and then another person comes in and I finished the article midway through, I shout out to this other guy in the office, like, dude, I'm going to marry this girl. And I turn the magazine around I show the cover of the article to em- of Emily and he goes, dude, you're never going to meet that girl, let alone marry her. And I'm like, well, and so of course I, you know. I didn't jump on Twitter because it was 2001. We didn't have Twitter back then. <laughs> but I uh, kept the magazine and went back to college that year. And I went back to the same camp the following summer. And then the next fall, I was having lunch in the cafeteria. Chick-fil-A, I think, which was cool. We had Chick-fil-A in, in college on campus. Either way, there's a girl there. Her name was Janie Joe. And um, she was she was cute. I, I thought she was cute. That's you know. why he sat by her. Well, she, we, I had some mutual friends. She was <laughs> uh-huh. a transfer student. So she just came to that school, that college for one semester. I always thank her because she introduced me to Emily. But through the way that she did it, she goes, well, oh, you're into wakeboarding? I go, yeah. She goes, well, I have a friend that wakeboards. I said, well, is he any good? And she said, no, it's a girl. Um, and I said, oh, she probably sucks. And um, it was my way to flirt with her. But then... She goes, my friend's number one in the world. And I just had this flashback of the article with you on the cover. I'm like, oh, yeah, is your friend Emily Copeland? And then when she lit up with her eyes and she's like, yeah, do you know her? The next words out of my mouth were, (laughs) no, but I'm going to marry her. And uh, that's about when I realized that you guys were best friends or or one of your best friends. Close friends. friends. Mm -hmm. And um, she gave me your email address through your permission and we began to converse about emails. Um, at the time, I had long dreadlocks, uh, big lip ring, gauged earrings. So, you know, what was your first impression of me? Well, well, I mean, via right through her. She's telling you about me. I mean, she just emailed me because it was like not texting. I mean, texting you had to pay for it then, you know. So she yeah. emailed me and was like, hey, there's this guy. He's a fan. You know, he's into wakeboarding. Can he get your email address? I'm like, sure, that's totally fine. So he, you know, it was a reference from a friend. And at this point, I mean, I was popular, I would say, quote unquote, because, you know, wakeboarding is still a pretty small sport. But I was at the top of the, uh, top of the sport. And so I was like, sure, I'll meet this guy. You, you're my friend, you know. And so I didn't really have a romantic inclination at that point because I just thought you were kind of like into wakeboarding. And, mm. uh, but your first few emails. You didn't did, see my picture. No, I didn't. And your first few emails were like, not all about wakeboarding. It was more about like how much you love the Lord. And I was like, wow. And at this point, I was actually not around a lot of Christian guys. Mm. I mean, I was in the sport of Maybe I knew that and I was tricking you, you know. Maybe. I mean, you were all about the Lord and Bible school and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty cool. And he's into wakeboarding. But, you know, whatever. I didn't really think that much of it, yeah. I guess. So we'll fast forward the story for you. Um Emily went out of town on, for a sponsored traveling event, wakeboarding, um, which if you don't know what wakeboarding is, just Google wakeboarding. You, you you ride a board sideways behind a boat on the water. You do flips and spins and, and all of those kinds of things. So uh, Emily 
goes out of, out of the country. Meanwhile, Janie Joe, this is around September of 2001, says, hey, do you do you want to go to Colorado from Texas with me um, to possibly meet Emily? So I agree to go 16-hour drive in this van with Janie Joe, three other girls, and a grandma. And, um, you know, we get there. Trip was amazing. Everybody's stoked to see the mountains. I'm just bummed because Emily's not there. We can't find her. She's not answering her cell phone. We didn't know she was in Mexico. And long story short, she comes back the last night that I'm there. And so we end up going to get coffee. And um, I always joke that we ended up at like a satanic coffee shop that I, that you thought was really cool. And no, then I, so like, I we got to go to this cool coffee shop. And we get there. Weird. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I've only been there twice. And I swear Emily said a cuss word when we were in the car. And me, I'm like, oh, wait, I thought I knew this girl. But I don't cuss. I think she did. I, I really don't. It's, it's not, not natural. Anyway, so <laughs> we both exchanged our testimonies, our stories about our, our lives. Uh, and I'm on cloud nine. I made a t-shirt that said biggest fan of Emily because um, it was true. And so fast forward, that was September, October. We met and then in person in Colorado that night. And then in November, um, we were talking on the phone, mostly nights and weekends because it was free. Um if you younger people are listening, you don't remember that, but there was a time when nights and weekends were free and otherwise it would cost you a lot of money. <laughs> so, you know, we would plan for whatever that time was. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Like, you know, boom. All and right, I was in Florida and he was in Texas. So it was 10. It was so late. Yeah, She stayed up for me. I did. And so let's see, we, we end up in November. We'd known each other since October. About every five weeks, something crazy would happen. And um, I'm on my phone, on the phone with my grandmother and she asked me about Emily, which is really weird for my, my meemaw. And um, I had a girlfriend previously, a year before that, her name was Emily. And she was, you know, we were still great friends. So I, I kind of just thought it was weird because I was like, oh, she's referring to old Emily. And then it sparked my attention, though, like, well, I have a new Emily in my life, <laughs> um, this Emily. And she goes, well, you should invite her to Thanksgiving, you know. And I, I was like, yeah, right. That's not happening family of 30 aunts and uncles that would terrorize me embarrass you not gonna happen but that night or the next night we talked on the phone and I had jokingly shared that my meemaw invited you and then you take it from here because that same night I called my meemaw you were doing something that night with the Lord and you felt some things and so yeah I mean I feel like that night I was just writing in my prayer journal and that the Lord kind of uh impressed in my heart that I was going to go spend Thanksgiving with your family, but that I wasn't to say anything. Like I wasn't going to suggest it and just wait. And then you, um, when we talked on the phone that night, you mentioned that your Mima had invited me and I was like, really, let me read you what I just wrote in my prayer journal. Like, you know, I think it was a day before hours before. And so needless to say, I bought a very expensive plane ticket yeah, which I didn't know. I thought you flew for free. No, it was like $700. I might have told you not to do it. I, but it was I worth it. I value the dollar, I think, more than you did then. Obviously, Kevin, and let's just go back to the first night we met. Kevin didn't even ask me for my phone number. Oh, I know. That's embarrassing. She goes, do you want my number? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> I was like, uh, like, we just met. We had an awesome time. We did. And he didn't ask me for my phone number. And I was like, well, I'm just going to offer it. If he doesn't call, it's okay. Mm. But. I remember sitting across the table from you that night. Janie Joe was on your left, and I was like 
felt like I was in a different planet. I mean, you looked so hot and strong too. Uh, you were way stronger looking than I thought you were going to be. I, I was, was like, I was holding onto a wakeboard handle. Yeah, six hours a day. But I just thought, gosh, I need to go work out after I was hanging <laughs> out with you. Yeah. yeah. So we'll fast forward. Uh, we ended up uh, getting engaged in March. That's so we forward. met in October. We got engaged in March. Don't recommend that. Um, I do and don't. Do I, I do? Don't know. I would do it again. Okay, I would too. I mean, yeah. October two thousand. Wait, two thousand two. Engaged March six, two thousand three. Married July twenty sixth, two thousand three. Nine so, months later. About nine months later. No, there was no unplanned. Uh, people un- in wakeboarding are like, pregnancy. "Is she pregnant? Like, yeah. Why is Mar- Emily no. getting married?" We literally picked one weekend when Emily was going to be gone and have, I think, two weekends before her next competition, which was X Games after that, after our honeymoon. But here's the interesting thing I love about our our story, kind of how things worked out, was that we drove, your your mom booked a place for us to get married um, in December or March, March. We got engaged and your mom called this Mm -hmm. beautiful place up in the mountains and they said, oh, let's be real. It was before we were engaged. Yes, it was before. My mom's a planner. She is. <laughs> but that you had to reserve this place two years in advance or a year and a half. And and it, there wasn't any availability for July 26th, the only weekend you could get, we could get married. And your mom just says, well, could you still check for that one weekend? And no kidding, that weekend was available. Someone had backed out of their wedding. Too bad for them. You ever think about what happened to them? Must have been bad. Could have been better if they didn't get married. <laughs> and so she booked it, but didn't tell us till after. She didn't ask. And we decided after we found out, we would drive up and look at the place. It was in Grand Lake, Colorado. And we drive up there one, one, one day. I had left college in May that year and went to live with Emily's parents in June, you know, July, till the marriage, till the, we got married. And it was there. We drove up and we're standing on this cliff over Grand Lake looking from the top of the mountain. And I think you just nonchalantly said this without knowing, but you said, you know, this is the lake I was wakeboarding on when you saw me in that article. And so I went back and got the article in the magazine, and in the background you can see the mountain where we ended up getting married at. And so as during our wedding ceremony, we had some time where we just sort of went and stood on the edge of the cliff together, turned around, looked over the lake, Thank God for that article, the way things just happened and, and how we came to be. And um, that's our, that's it. That's kind of our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of how, how do we move from here into like other people hearing this? Because I think it's, I think, I think it's a great story. I love our, our story. But what I don't want people to think is they hear this and then they just go, well, that's amazing. That's great for you. Maybe they get inspired. Yeah. But what if they feel more like, you know, sad that their romance story or their marriage story was just sort of bland or, you know, whatever. So maybe we should clue them in on the fact that it hasn't been all roses since yeah. the day we got married. I mean, very difficult and different challenges. And, um, but yeah, that's our, that's our marriage story. So down below in the comments, we'd love to hear your story because what God does in our lives, he puts people together so that we could represent who God is in our lives. And I think that's probably one thing for us that I've, so many people have asked us to share our stories at different places and even marriage conferences. And I think for me, I always hesitate to do that because 
I know there's so much more about what God has done in our marriage since we've gotten married that than what he did to put us together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing for us to get married. You're, you're infatuated. You, you know, you're, giggly with everything. Um, and then it's one thing to stay married for so long, for 18 years. And I'm more proud of who we are today than who we were then. Um, with, and I'm more excited about who God was, um, who God is in our marriage today than kind of even what he did to bring us together. And oftentimes people glorify and, and, get excited about that type of story, you know, but I love that God works in, in all our difficulties, all our valleys that we've gone through in our marriage. And one of the, the hardest things, um, that we can touch on in this episode, you know, somewhat quickly, but you know, both of us desired to have kids and right around the end of your career, um, two to three years before you quit wakeboarding, um, we want, we were trying to have kids and, we found out that we had 0% chance to have kids. And, you know, I, I remember how hard that was for you, but, you know, do you want to share a little bit about how that part of your story was just, you know, asking God, believing God for that and then having to go for Mm -hmm. quite a few years without it. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, at first, you know, we started trying, there's hope every month and you're so excited. And then you're, went by two years went by and then we figured you know there was a problem so I mean I would definitely say that was the hardest thing that I've ever gone through in my life I think because it's not just the death of someone like I think losing someone is very hard but it was um like that feeling of loss of like never having something that you've always thought you would have and always dreamed of and that you know would just be a normal part of your life, you know? And so I think, um, that's why it, it was a very hard, very hard journey, um, to go through for sure. Yeah. What do you, uh, remember, you know, some of those wakeboard competitions, I think they're closest to my memory about things in life, you know, on the surface being so good, but just underneath the surface being so Mm-hmm. I mean, I was still winning wakeboard competitions it, yeah. and I, my heart wasn't in it. I really just wanted to be a mom. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, it wasn't a bad desire. It was a godly desire. It was a good desire to want to have kids, but it was literally so important to me. It mm. could have almost been an idol to me, you know, in my life because it was something and I'm a very determined person. If I want something, I'm going to get it, you know? And so I work hard for something and you get it. That's almost everything in life. You know, you, you work for it, you, you attain it. And so, but this, no matter how you hard you work for something, if there's a medical issue like infertility, you know, you can't do anything about it. There's nothing you could do, but really ultimately trust the Lord, which is the best thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So if someone's listening, um, going through infertility issues today, whether it's male related, female related, you know, what from your story would you, that you've gleaned from maybe share with somebody who's going Mm -hmm. through something specific? I mean, I think like, I know it was, it felt lonely. I think especially because, you know, being a young married couple, all of our friends are young and married and they're all getting pregnant right away. And so some of our friends could just think, yeah, pregnant it felt pregnant. very isolating, I think, at times. Um, so, I mean, I think um, 
having someone that you can talk to is huge. Like having, you know, a person that you can share this with. I think I felt very alone in it because I was still wakeboarding. Um, I still had, you know, sponsors. So it wasn't something that I could like share. I, I don't know if I would have shared it, but it was very secretive because we didn't really want anyone to know being a female athlete. You have to like, that's one thing that I don't really like about female athletics is that they give you a hard time if you get pregnant uh, because I mean, it is about a year of time that you're out. But, um, so I just, I, I felt isolating. So I think having more people that I could have shared that burden with would have probably been helpful. So, I mean, if you're struggling with it, you can always, you know, message us or, you know, talk to us because it is still fresh in my mind, even though it's been so many years ago, it, it was a very challenging time for me. So yeah. And, you know, for some people that are maybe not relating to infertility, uh, I think they can relate to the idea that you want something so bad and you, you, you know, it can be a good thing. But then you seem like it seems like God isn't hearing your prayer. Mm-hmm. It seems like um, it's not fair. Um, you know, is there something I did? You begin to play these things out. Um, what would you say to someone that's listening that's it's maybe, maybe it's your waiting to meet your spouse and, yeah. and that hasn't happened and you're single. Um, or maybe it's, uh, it could be infertility, but maybe it's, you're, you haven't gotten a job. Maybe you've been working a hard job that's, um, not paying you what you hope, or you just got laid off. And it, it, you're kind of asking the question I think you asked often is God, mm-hmm. where are you in this? Mm-hmm. And knowing that God is good and he's faithful yet in the circumstances, you still feel somewhat hopeless. Mm-hmm. And, um, what what I know that we have both learned a lot, but what have what have you probably gleaned the most in that? Um, I think like, I mean, I had to come to a place where I had to ask the forgiveness from the Lord that I was mad. At, I was mad at God, you know, like yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still emotional, and the crazy thing is, we never got to the good part of our story. I mean, that we have we did get pregnant. We, yeah. we, we did get pregnant. We did medical treatment called in vitro fertilization and we, um, got pregnant with our daughter hope and she's a miracle. And we named her hope because faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we tried three more times uh, or two more times. So three times total after having hope and, we didn't get pregnant again. And so, you know, it's like the cycle started all over again. That was hard. Um, and I think, you know, I grieved in a way I haven't really lost someone close to me, like a parent or, you know, a really close friend. Um, but I, I understand grieving in a way because of like grieving that loss of like, being able to carry a child in my womb again. And I think that was, it was hard. So anyway, (laughs) but like, this is real, it's real life, but God brought us to a place of being ready to accept Noah, which is our adoptive story. (laughs) And Noah is our, Noah James is our or baby boy, not a baby anyway, but he is seven and he's a joy. He's a gift. And if we wouldn't have gone through what we went through, we might not have gotten to a place where we would have thought of adopting. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, I think that's going to be a whole another podcast, huh? Maybe. <laughs> um, man, it is. Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, sometimes looking back on our journey, you know, I, the way that I expected my life to play out with uh, in regards to children was I wanted twin boys and a girl. And, um, you know, medically we found out it was me, um, that I couldn't, I couldn't give us kids. And so I went through a period of time of just not feeling, you know, the blame of everything, feeling the blame and not feeling adequate, not feeling, um, you know, like, well, basically it was all my fault. And, you know, it was a, it did such a challenging time. And, uh, now to look, look at our lives and to see hope is 11 years old and Noah is seven. Um, how the Lord created these circumstances and, um, gave us these two beautiful children yeah. that, uh, are like the most amazing things yeah. in our lives. And, and so, um, if you want to hear a little bit more about, um, hope, uh, and the journey with in vitro, um, we could do a, a second round of our story in terms of, uh, our pregnancy and uh, give you some tips we did in vitro in Europe. So <laughs> saved about $30,000. And then um, just the way the Lord orchestrated our adoption with Noah. And um, it was a difficult journey to get to the place. But then once we got to the place of adoption, the way the Lord brought about um, this, this um, mom and dad who um, were pregnant and brought them into our lives and um, an extended family we have with them now just is an amazing story. So if you want to hear about that in the uh, in another episode, just please comment down below and uh, on the YouTube or on the podcast and uh, just let us know because we we generally want to commit to create community uh, with each of you about our stories and about your stories. So if you're struggling with infertility um, or you resonate with the idea that you kind of want to know, God, where are you at in the story? Uh, message us below. We'd love to hear from you and uh, any way that we can minister and serve you and uh, point you and connect God to you, then that's our desire for you. So I think that's a wrap for this episode. And uh, thanks for sharing, babe. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, guys. Until next time. Blessings. Blessings. <laughs>